This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouth of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer, not in the palatial 680 of the fan studios, but in our respective domiciles. Sam Franco, uh, Josh Bagarianski, I am Eric Quintana. Gentlemen, we had soccer last night. We had Atlanta United soccer last night. After yeah, what about a about? three or four week break, we had uh, we had something to, to root for. Did you guys did you guys celebrate? Did you guys throw yeah, a party? Well, and when you say Atlanta United soccer, that was way more like it. Uh, in terms of the performance from Atlanta United, getting a 1-0 win over, over Club America. By the way, a 2-1 and record now all-time against Club America for Atlanta yeah. United. So uh, suck that. on that, uh, <laughs> Club America fans. But, um, no, I mean, it was it was a much better performance than I think any of us thought going into it. I mean, I, I tweeted uh, an image of, like, that old government duck and cover, like, uh, campaign from back in the day when you were supposed to like hide under your desk if a nuclear bomb was like going to go off or something. And that's kind of what it felt like going into it. It was like this team has, you know, no reason to really want to go out and, you know, finish this, especially because they're going to have a new manager. Uh, this is a, a lot of players are being signed up from the USL squad just to kind of make up the numbers for this team. But they went out and performed very well. I was definitely wrong in my assumption that they were just going to go out and lay an egg. And I thought they they looked very good. I believe you said specifically that they should forfeit this game. I did. That that, that was on our last recording. <laughs> it's been so long since we've actually recorded an episode uh, that I did. I, I was very uh, staunchly in the camp of doing that. I think at the time I, I I wasn't super cognizant of it being in a bubble or anything. So you just kind of thought that like, or wait, are they going to have to like go you know to the Azteca or something and like play this game? But in all honesty, you know, it just it wasn't going to do anything for Atlanta United, I think, in terms of getting ready for 2021. But maybe I am a little bit wrong on that. And I'll let Josh kind of harp on this a little bit just because, you know, maybe it is a sign of, of things to come going forward. Yeah, well, I think the main thing is like, I mean, to your point, Sam, I mean, with the match being already trailing, trailing three nil on aggregate, you haven't played in so long that you already have coming off the heels of a really, really rough season. I mean, it was hard to imagine that you'd see, aside from the fact that the kind of the tie was no was not in doubt any longer, I didn't expect to see that energy and that positivity. And, you know, I mean, that there, was a, there was a spring in the step and a, a spirit um, that I didn't expect to see. And I think aside from the performance, which is pretty good, that's what we were not expecting because it was just such a weird time to play a match mm-hmm. after just a really terrible season. You've got guys, you know, like Stephen Glass is one foot out the door. Uh, you know, you're running Kubo Torres out there was one foot out the door, you know. So, like, it was a very weird time to play a match. But the performance was pleasantly surprising and I think is an indicator of uh, better times to come in 2021. And, and I think also indicates, and I have a piece up on, the, uh, on this on Dirty South Soccer today, that the roster in 2020 had some gaping holes, but there were still some pretty good pieces there. Because I, I look at that, that, that performance from last night, and really the balance of the season. And I still think you have six, seven, maybe eight MLS starters um, on the roster, particularly across the back four. 
And you add to that with Joseph Martinez returning next year, Marcelino Moreno fully involved. You're starting to see links uh, with Almendra from uh, Boca Juniors uh, at the sixth position. So, and obviously we're about to talk about Gabriel Heinze, who's, who's a, uh, would signify kind of a return to the uh, Tata Martino days. Spoiler alert, Josh, come on, man. God. <laughs> well, I, later in the podcast, they well, didn't know. Yeah. Yet. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Gabriel Heinze on the podcast. Just so everyone knows, because I know you guys weren't expecting that. Uh, but no, I think all of these things were are working together, right? We were going to come on here and be very positive. And then again, we're going to talk about that spoiler alert in a bit uh, about what the hiring of, or, or the seemingly imminent hiring of Einstein indicates of this team getting back to business. But the great thing about the performance last night was you saw that there were already quite a few players in Atlanta that can stay here and be a part of his system successfully. And obviously you're going to have to add a little bit more to that. Uh, but I don't think this team is as far away as maybe we thought a couple months ago. I, the one caveat I will throw in there is that uh, they were playing with a 3 nothing lead, so they didn't need to be as attacking. That's for sure. Maybe, maybe oh, yeah. they could have been. I think in the first half you saw a lot of that, where I think they were almost surprised at how um, – Club America were very flat. There's no yeah, question about how, it. How forceful Atlanta United was in the final third and, and in the attacking half altogether. They were looking ahead for sure. Sure. I, well, I, I, and I don't want to say it like that, but be, because as an athlete, you typically try not to do that. But um, but at the same time, you got to take that in consideration. You got to take that 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 um, that they they knew in all likelihood they were going to advance and and um, look good for Atlanta United for taking the opportunities that they did and and trying to make something of it. Um, Congrats on Jackson Conway for making his, his yeah that was really cool. team yeah good for Jackson Conway that's not an easy um, to pull off I think they could have they 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 had an opportunity to to really make it hard for for Club America if they wanted to they just kind of missed on their opportunities in the first half and the second half uh, obviously it was a lot flatter in the first but I, I think at that point once you've missed the opportunities in the first half it's almost like all right well. That was our shot. It's going to be a miracle well, now. I, I, there were chances in the second half, too, though. I mean, sure. the, the, I'm the not triple saying, chance, Rochelle comes up with a save. I thought Atlanta United started to – and this is one thing they didn't do throughout the season when they were controlling possession. They were, quote-unquote, controlling matches, but it just wasn't translating into chances as the match went on. I thought in this match, and you saw this in the second half, Atlanta United started to possess – Probe, probe, closer and closer, look more and more dangerous. And then the last 20, 25 minutes, you saw quite a few. I think you saw some chances for Club America on the other end as well. Uh, but you really started to see Atlanta United start to break through and penetrate uh, in a way that we did not see in 2020. So, so that, was, that was a real uh, surprise for me because when I saw the possession over the first 25, 30 minutes, I said, here we go again. You know, it mm -hmm. looks – we're sitting here, we're saying it looks good, but the opportunities, are they going to come? And this match, you you, you had enough uh, to, they to, came. to win, not just one no, but maybe two or three no. And no, Atlanta uh, could have turned this whole thing around. You're exactly right, Josh. I mean, the the the, the amount of chances they had, and Barco's missed chance. That's the one that I think you you know, if you're a player, you you lose sleep over. I mean, the dude had essentially it wasn't really a one v one. He had defenders around him, but he had a clean open shot on net. He did get fouled, I think, after the shot. That doesn't excuse the fact he should have buried that. That yeah, that's a DP. That. Fine save that's, as well, but yeah. I agree. No, absolutely fine save, but that's one of your and Guillermo Ochoa has been, you know, for more or less one of the better goalkeepers in, in world soccer over the last, you know, ten years or so. So I mean that's a very good goalkeeper. But you're a DP, you're Ezekiel Barco, you gotta finish that. And and that worries me going forward for him. It's like, what are we going to see from him in the future if he's even around? 
I think you, well, you guys, definitely saw a more lively performance from Barco. He's getting into those positions. He created a, a few very good chances, takes the knock late and has to come off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, in the end, if you look at his performance in total, you're looking back at that chance and saying, as you say, Sam, you're a DP, you probably got to put that in the back of the net. But one thing that was also great was that when Barco comes off the match, comes out of the match, Moreno comes on, and you really don't miss a beat. Um, so this was the first time that I saw Atlanta United actually able to make substitutions off the bench. Joseto came in and made a difference. Obviously, Jackson Conway did. This was the first time where I looked at this roster and said, wow, you actually have some substitutions who came off the bench and changed the game for the better. So there were just so many uh, parts of this performance that makes me positive about uh, when, when the team returns next season. And certainly one of them is that you're able to remove Barco for a player like Moreno and not really miss a beat in terms of creativity in the attack. You also wonder, wonder what could have been had uh, John Gallagher not been traded to the Austin FC and or sold off. To, off well, yeah, no, traded, right? Officially traded. traded yeah, I mean, yeah, traded for, uh, to Austin. Traded FC. for money, so yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I, it's it's here's the good news: you're gonna have next year because 2020 was good enough for Lane United that they granted him another CCL spot for 2021. We did it! Yes. Found a way. Found uh-huh. a way. Yes. Suckers, suckers! <laughs> All these other like fan bases have been bitching and whining about that oh Lenny United just gets their own Champions League spot against messed up you know you, what cry about it haters do All you right? think they talked to Atlanta United and uh Atlanta United were like wink wink nudge nudge don't worry we're gonna we're gonna bring in some guys and a manager so we won't embarrass you we, this year we <laughs> yeah promise. <laughs> I don't I don't I it think they were just any sense. Sense. I think, no I think sense. I think they were just well, as surprised as we were yeah, they did right. and they are the reigning U.S. Open Cup champions <laughs> Which is awesome, but at the same time, they're like that's like that's such a glitch in the matrix that it that that it feels so unwarranted considering how twenty twenty went. I agree with uh, you, but as an Atlanta United fan, you got to be pumped for this. I mean, this is a chance for your team with Gabriel Heinze, prospectively or whatever you want to call it, as your manager. This is a chance for Atlanta United to to you know test his system and in the way that he wants to play in an entirely new way against competition. That's going to be for the most part, way better than what you're going to see in your domestic league. And I think if I'm hindsight, I look at that uh, performance last night and, and some of the stats and data from 2020 in general and say, I don't need much to turn this team into the, what I want. And, and one of the things you need, obviously, is a bona fide goal scorer. That'll be Joseph Martinez. We, we know he's coming back. But more importantly, I thought you saw from Mesa and Robinson an ability to pass and build out of the back with good, efficient, progressive passing, especially from Miles Robinson, whom uh, we've wondered if he could play in that type of style throughout his career. Those two really showed an ability to uh, help Atlanta United maintain possession and build out of the back effectively against, uh, as we've discussed, a very good Liga MX side. So if I'm Gabriel Heinze, I'm looking at that performance and saying, I've already got some pretty good pieces in place that are going to help me play the way I want if I, if I come to Atlanta. Yeah, Tata Martino's biggest criticism of Miles Robinson, especially early on, was that he was, was criticism about the ball at his feet. And I feel like Miles Robinson, if anything, has improved dramatically in that area. Um, and, and he's, and you're right, Josh, he's shown that, it, that between him and Meza, whoever it was LGP, he's been able to transition and, and, and play with the ball at his feet, not necessarily play with the ball at his feet, but he, he's able to, he's got a great, he's built that skill set to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's going to be great for, for, uh, Gabriel Heinze, who, who's, who's coming in next, presumably. Um, and 
whatever system he implements because that's going to be a factor as to how Atlanta United is successful moving forward. And if you look at Robinson's performance this season, I mean, it's not like we're just saying that improvement is there from the eye test. You can tell from the numbers. He was one of the top defenders, <clears throat> excuse me, in MLS. And again, I'm spoiling part of my article in Dirty South Soccer here uh, today. Uh, but he was one of the top players in MLS and accurate short passes completed, accurate long passes completed, progressive passing distance. Obviously, Atlanta United uh, held – was even though they didn't create anything, they had high possession statistics, high pass completion percentage, uh, and, and that coming with a lot – the center backs all over the ball. So, Miles Robinson and then whoever was next to him, whether it be Anton Waltz, Mesa, Escobar, whoever, clearly, clearly have the ability for Atlanta United to retain possession of the ball, not lose it in necessarily in dangerous areas. They just need the players in front of them to play a little bit better. Um, and so – but to your point, Eric – in terms of, you know, we knew that Mesa could do this. He's done it throughout his career. Um, you know, we certainly know that Escobar is a player uh, that is playing that role for Atlanta United. Anton Walks, actually, uh, I don't think we knew for sure, but he was another player that was among the tops in short passes completed uh, in MLS this season. But Miles Robinson, I think, made a massive, massive jump. And it wasn't always clear because he definitely had some bumps in the road, I think wasn't always fit. But he made a massive jump in terms of his passing, and that was really capped off with what was maybe his best performance on the ball uh, against a very strong team last night. So you have to be positive about that because I think one of the keys to a system that Heinze wants to play is you have to be able to build out of the back effectively to make that work. You have to have a specific type of center back to do that. We knew that Lane had a few of those on the roster, but now you have one of Miles Robinson, who's also one of your great 1v1 defenders, great recovery speed, and now showing the technical ability to pass effectively out of the back. That is a great sign going forward for 2021. And Gabriel Heinz is coming into a great situation for a manager taking over a club because usually in this kind of scenario, you've got a little like rebuilding to do or whatever, and he still has some of that to do. But when you look at the back line, and that kind of being solid, that is a great foundation to build yeah. upon. And I, and I think that that is going to be something that's an advantage for him that isn't an advantage for a lot of new managers coming in, particularly a guy who not only is, is going to have that back line, but he's going to have Joseph Martinez fresh and coming back. Yeah. So there's not going to be as much for him to do, I think, in terms of that squad building. And he's going to be able to focus more of his attention and more of his time and detail to – crafting the way that this club exactly, plays exactly. into the way he wants them to. So that's going to be great for Atlanta United. He can focus on that. Not really have to worry too much about doing any squad building or overhauling. There are some pieces that need to be added. There's no question about that uh, in terms of depth and in terms of, you know, just quality overall. And we've said many times on this podcast going into, you know, towards the end of this season and going into the off season, is that Atlanta United have to get better at certain positions. There's no question about it. But you do get better by getting Joseph Martinez back. And you, and you do get better with, with more and more time for Miles Robinson, who could be the bright spot of Atlanta United's entire like season. And yeah. A season in 2020 was not very good. And, and I think it's, it's, it's weird to me that people you know, went ballistic about the attack being so bad in 2020 and didn't mention that the player that scores all the goals had a torn ACL. Like that's mm. kind of a big part of this, right? And, and I think you see last night, although those chances started to be created, but I look at long periods of play in that match where there was a bit of good possession and then just not the movement you needed or quality from Adam John or an Eric Lopez. All of these positions where Joseph Martinez, you're going to 
you're, you're going to manufacture one or two chances with him, with his movement off the ball, with his, with his technical ability to, to set up for others and hold up the play, uh, with obviously his finishing, able to create chances out of nothing. If you add just Joseph, just Joseph Martinez, just Joseph Martinez to that lineup last night, get that performance. It's an even better performance, I think, than, than what you already saw. Now, there is the glaring hole at defensive midfield, right? I mean, you, Jeff, it's, it's just crazy that that's not a hole. That hole has got to be addressed. Um, but other than that, I think what you said, Sam, earlier is, is accurate, that Heinze can come in and immediately start teaching his style of play, and he already has a good core of players that can play in that style. And if you add Joseph Martinez to that, which we all know is going to happen, suddenly it looks a lot more complete going forward than before. So, yes, there are holes, but the big sign from last night and Heinze coming in signifying a return to um, the culture perhaps of Tata Martino, and it, it's not going to take that much. I really don't think it's going to take that much to get you back to being contending uh, in the Eastern Conference again. I think you've got a group of players, not only that, that are willing to, to make that transition, but they also – and Gabriel Heinze, it's, it's almost a, a player that they will immediately come to respect – and want big, to play right? and yeah. want to play for and want to impress and and want to essentially ball out for um it's it's not it's a very different situation both obviously tactically and and personality wise from Frank DeBoer just because Frank DeBoer was coming in with 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 uh you know a a damaged legacy if you will if a and legacy a completely at all. different system sure yeah but i mean you 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 walk into that or Frank DeBoer walks into Lane United and all of a sudden you have a bunch of players that are like uh, I, it's almost that from the very beginning you thought well, this doesn't really seem to fit. Um, so to to have someone that you know is going to be in that same kind of Bielsa school of thought, that that same sort of Tata Martino type of vein, um, it's got to be exciting for these players and and probably a a going to be like a almost a a sore subject for the players that have left Atlanta United because of Frank DeBoer, the LGPs, the the Tito Vijalbas. Um, guys that would have probably done well under, under a Gabriel Heinze or even a, you know, the former Tata Martino. So it's, it's, I'm curious to see what it ends up looking like. I'm curious to see what additions uh, Heinze might bring in, uh, assuming that he's the guy. Um, and I'm curious to see how quickly, I mean, to your point, Josh, how quickly that, that transition is made and how quickly, you know, guys like Barco, uh, guys like Joseph can kind of get back into the the swing of things that that used to be under Tata Martino. I, I still have questions about Barco because I just think that he hasn't yet proven to me that he's uh, that that really he fits anywhere systematically at least. Not to say that he doesn't belong on this team, but I, I'm still trying to figure out how exactly he he comes to be the best player he can be, so that you can then sell him on. I think if we I, at- that there might be there may be more of a of a that might be more of a personal thing that that he has to deal with uh, versus a, a manager being able to do that. I don't know if it's work ethic. I don't know. And I'm not criticizing his work ethic. I'm just asking if it's a matter of work ethic or a matter of of uh, his playing style or or a matter of uh, the mentality altogether. Uh, but I'm hoping under Heinz that he can get the best out of a guy like of a, out of a kid like Barco, so that you can then sell him for what you wanted to sell him for when you originally brought him. And it'll be huge for the the team's success in general. I think one of the biggest challenges that Heinz comes in, and again, in some ways, this is a good thing because it's not like he has to go out and find someone, right? But he has he has a player on his roster, and Barco we all know has the ability. And look, I'm the biggest Barco stand out there. Okay, I'll fight anyone who's you. But anyway, it's not important. <laughs> uh, but 
Look, I'm not going to sit here and argue that he has been a consistent uh, DP-level player week in and week out. And certainly there were moments in 2020 where he just didn't look very interested, um, although that completely, I thought, changed, uh, changed last night. But one of Heinz's biggest challenges, I think, is how do I get the most out of this guy that's so important for our short-term success with the club, but also our long-term with respect to the sell-on value? How do I get the most out of him week in and week out? I know what he can do. I know what he provides for us but how do I get that consistency out of him? And part of that is going to be hopefully contextual stuff um, working its way out in 2021, where you don't have the pandemic with the big break in the middle of the season. You know, Barco has missed significant time uh, for fitness or he's, you know, he missed a, a month and a half because of the U20 World Cup. So it, it's been, you know, in his first year in Atlanta, he's playing behind Miguel Amiron. So it, it, there's been some contextual stuff that I think has hurt Barco's, um, his, uh, his consistency as well. But, I mean, you can't argue at this point that he's been a consistently designated player, level player for Atlanta United. And yet he's, in a lot of ways, one of your most key pieces. Um, so, so Heinz's biggest challenge is how are you going to get the most out of him? I don't know that it's like finding the role for him. I think we see that his best role is kind of that quote-unquote left-wing position where he pinches into the middle and basically plays underneath the forward as an inverted uh, player on the left. But the question is, how do you get him active and motivated uh, week in and week out to play, to play that role? I, and, it, and it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it's been with Barco yeah. in terms of that consistency. I think we know that's his best role. I think we know what he's good at. And I'm hoping that, that, that a personality and, and a Argentinian legend like Gabriel Heinze can be the guy to get the most out of him week in to week out. If he does that, Atlanta United, uh, all the more reason to believe that you can contend in 2021. And certainly that's going to get his sell-on value where you need it to be as well. Yeah, and I, I, one thing too, like obviously what he does for Ezekiel Barco is super important. But I, I think sort of with Gabriel Heinze coming into the club, you alluded to this earlier, Josh. It's like the the amount of respect a guy like that's going to command from his, uh, you know, from his players. And you know, you've got a guy who obviously played for Manchester United, played for Real Madrid, played mm -hmm. for Roma, and yeah. played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. Was actually voted the best player on Manchester United squad in the 0405 season. So I mean, this is a guy who comes in with tremendous clout. We've all heard the quotes by now. Sir Alex Ferguson said this is a guy who would kick his own granny. And when you get that kind of praise from a guy who I think is, and I think this is inarguable, but I've, I've said this, and this always gets, you know, the, uh, the U.S. sports fan uh, riled up, but I think Sir Alex Ferguson is the greatest uh, team sport manager we've ever seen. Um, just, I begrudgingly agree with you. Thank you. And, and, that, and that goes across all I sports. I so talking. Much. I know you do, but but I'm talking about like John Wooden. I'm talking about like like anybody across any sport who's had success. Sir Alex Ferguson, for the amount uh, and duration of time that he has did what he did with Manchester United, was absolutely incredible. The Silverware Hall. So you get that kind of respect from from that manager, and that's what Gabriel Heinz has gotten. You know, I, I think that this is just so much different from the from the Frank de Boer hire for for so many different reasons. Plus it's getting back to what made Atlanta United successful in their origins. And that's going to make fans happy. So you've got a guy who's going to come in. He's ruthless. Um, he's going to turn a lot of the media off. I will say that 
uh, which I I wish I just can't wait to watch. (laughs) Oh no, it's going to be great. Like, like, and, and I I feel bad for our guy, Doug, because it's going to take, I won't answer my questions. It's going to take a while for our guy, Doug Robertson to get used to the type of press conference he's going to be dealing with, with Gabrielle Heinze. And it's, it's kind of going back because the guy doesn't speak a whole lot of English either. So, I mean, it's going back to sort of the Tata Martino days. Although I think Tata always spoke a little more than he would let on. Um, yeah, that's what I thought but, too. But, uh, you know, but hopefully uh, we get the, the kind of uh, LeBron uh, press I, conference I, moment that we got from Tata I, Martino. I'm interested, though, with the media with Heinze. Like, I wonder if he might soften a little bit once he realizes he's not talking to big, crazy South American journalists, but he's actually talking That's to, like, true. Joe Patrick, who's, like, the, the coolest dude out there, you know. Whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay, Pump the brakes right. on coolest, okay? Right, Pump the yeah, brakes on right. coolest. Yeah, well, and also, there's that no, like, agenda. <laughs> like, like I, think, I think a lot of what guys like Gabriel Heinze are coming from Europe – coming from South America uh, in terms of where they played and where their careers are, where the media is a lot more just ridiculous. And and like I said, has an agenda. That's what I'm saying. The media that covers soccer in Europe and covers soccer in South America, there's clearly an agenda there. I think the media he's dealing with here is going to be way less than that. So you're right. Maybe he softens up a little bit because he's not dealing with a media contingent that is trying to undermine him, which is what a lot of those managers think uh, that the, the Argentinian media right. or the, 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 the British soccer press, which is notoriously, uh, you know, ridiculous in some of the things that they do. So this is an entirely different situation. So you make a good point that maybe he softens up because he realizes he's not, you know, in the lion's den, so to speak. It's going to be very interesting. I wanted to touch on one thing that you mentioned earlier, Sam, about just the legend kind of, that Heinze is, especially in Argentina, coming into the club. He's one of my favorite and, players ever, being a Manchester United fan. That guy was a bulldog. Mm-hmm. And you made the compare the, the Alex Ferguson reference. One, I think, kind of direct, and obviously this is a totally different circumstances environment, but Zinedine Zidane coming in to Real Madrid, uh-huh. uh, the first occasion, there was, uh, even though he's not known as, you know, like a great tactician or anything like that, right when he came into the club, there was a change in the environment because the players just had so much respect for a player like Zinedine Zidane, who was not yeah, just a, artist, legend, a big legendary guy. footballer, yeah. but also a legend at Real Madrid. So you had all these big personalities uh, at a club that were often the, uh, the inmates run the asylum, so to speak. Uh, the players run the show. But when Zidane came in, that, that went away. You might Everybody see similar dynamic with Heinze coming in because he's such a legend, uh, specifically uh, Argentinian legend. Uh, you know, a, a world football legend as well. But obviously, Argentina is a big part of where Atlanta had to recruit from. Mm-hmm. So you might see a similar dynamic where the environment just changes immediately, where just the presence of a Gabriel Heinze has players training a little more professionally, uh, a little more focused, you know, a little, a little more uh, sticking to the manager's plan. Whether he's a genius tactician or not, and I actually am a big fan of what I've seen from his tactics. But what I, I think is most important is the is, is that he's going to overhaul the environment just by him stepping into the dressing room is going to demand so much respect uh, from so many Atlanta United players who will, will have known all about Gabriel Heinze growing up as players in South America and will also be a big recruiting tool. But I really think right when he walks into that dressing room, there is a respect for him that there, there, there never was for Frank DeBoer and certainly wasn't on day one. There was that for Tata Martino. And, yep. and a lot of it just has to do, it's not that Frank DeBoer, well, part of it has to do with Eric, uh, you guys mentioned earlier, he was had a managerial failures earlier. 
But Heinz's success as a player fits the culture of Atlanta United perfectly, the way Zinedine Zidane's did for Real Madrid in that he was specifically a Real Madrid legend. Heinz is an Argentinian international legend. You're pulling a lot of players from Argentina. You have a lot of South American players on your roster. He's going to demand respect the first day he walks into the locker room. And you said culture. That is a that is such an important word here. I, I think in terms of bringing a Gabriel Heinze in and what he can do for this club. I mean, you look at everything from top to bottom since Frank De Boer came in. The team just hasn't been the same. And I'm talking about on the field, off the field, the way they present themselves. Just 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 the club. I'm not even talking about just on, on like as a soccer team. I'm talking about as an entity. And you know, I, I've I've gone in on Atlanta United social media and everything before, but it just seems that the entire culture of everything, the, from from the way this club runs itself, was a lot different under Frank DeBoer. And maybe Heinz comes in and you get some of that swagger back. It just feels like Atlanta United under Frank DeBoer and in 2020 was a very swaggerless club. And I know a lot of that comes with like Joseph Martinez and some of the other things. But it just feels like having that sort of and, South and there American were warning style. signs. There were right. warning signs in 2019 of that happening. So it's not right. just Absolutely. Joseph being out. No, of course. No, I'm just saying like with and that was what I was alluding to with Frank DeBoer sort of his way that the club was being run. Everything became sort of vanilla. Everything became regimented. Everything became almost like it was part of some template or something. And that's not what Atlanta United was. That's not what they were in the beginning. You know, everything was was way more, you know, fun, I guess, is, is, is the word I'm looking for. And it feels like, you know, Gabriel Heinze coming in, your identity might change a little bit more back to what it was. And and I hope that resonates throughout the entire thing, the from, from promotions to social media to in-game experience, everything, because – all of that changed when yeah. Frank DeBoer came in. And I'm not saying that was a Frank DeBoer thing. That's a number of different reasons. You know, people go to different jobs. People leave. People do this. But I just hope that this is indicative of a larger culture change, not just the team itself, which, which needed it. And, and, and it's going to get it and it's going to have that injection of, of, of sort of a new culture. But I'm talking about everything from top to bottom. Hopefully that gets back to sort of being what it was. Yeah, and when we say culture, I mean, it's such a tough, right? It's, it's so easy to throw that word around, culture yeah. and identity. But, I mean, you're, you're absolutely, absolutely correct, right? I mean, and really what we mean is, uh, I mean, obviously there's the component with the social media, the brand, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. know if that'll be necessarily correlated to a return to winning on the field. I hope that changes. But I think – the environment that we kind of just talked about that the players go into every, uh, every day in training. One report I really remember well about Tata Martino was how the day before a match, and I forget the, the term for it, um, it was a, it's a Spanish term, where the team played a fun pickup match, basically the oh, day yeah. before games, you know, things like that. And then under Frank DeBoer, I think he used the word regimented, Sam, you know, like it was more – uh, you know, like things were set, you know, there was a little less um, creativity to the way that training sessions were structured and things like that. Um, and, and that's something that eventually translates onto the field, right? Soccer is a very expressive game. Atlanta United has a lot of creative kind of improv- improvisational players. And yet you went out last year and you had all of the ball and you saw none of that creativity, expressiveness on the field. So eventually if you are putting players, and I believe this for almost every sport, if you're putting players in an environment where they're not happy and they don't feel they can express themselves on or off the pitch, 
that's going to start to translate into matches. And certainly when you see a team have 54, 55% possession and consistently finish with under one expected goals, that shows just that, that you have a bland kind of uh, play from a team where the players on the roster aren't really bland types of players uh, with the exception of maybe like an Adam John or something like that. But so, 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 so the performance on the field was definitely indicative of what was going on in training every day, just in the psyche of the players where they weren't enjoying themselves. They didn't feel comfortable expressing themselves. And, and that starts to show in the play of a, of a Barco uh, as the, as the season goes on, you know, and, and that's something that I hope will change on day one with just the environment changing right away. The culture, you know, players feeling comfortable uh, in that environment that you'll start to immediately see on the field, that creative expressiveness that we saw in 27, 2018, a little bit in 2019, and then totally disappear in 2020. Well, look, some of the uh, 2021 seems like it's pretty predictable at this point in terms of at least the, the, the play style, um, the kind of the, the reverting back to what, what was Atlanta United under Tata Martino at the same time, this is also kind of new territory for the club and for the players that have been here this entire time, especially in the transition from Tata to Frank um, and now to presumably Gabriel Heinze. It's this, you know, it's, it's having a bad season and then, Finding your manager and getting a new one that's going to shake things up. Atlanta United has not gone through that. Um, remember, going from positive to negative is not really a shakeup. It obviously wasn't great, but going from Tata Martino to Frank DeBoer, we all assumed there'd be we knew there'd be change, but we all assumed that the the I guess the tradition of winning, if you will, would continue, or, or that the that the that the style of play. And remember, Frank DeBoer said not not much was going to change. The style of play would presumably Fire. be this would be the same. Would relatively would would be similar to the extent that okay we have a bunch of these a bunch of these dynamic argentinian fast players um you know how much can you really change we haven't gone away from that and then back to that as a club in our in our in our short history quote unquote um so this is relatively new territory so so while we do look at at 2021 and think okay well i can see it going this way this way this way and and it's perfectly acceptable to assume those you know assume that prediction this is also again new territory for the club for the players because of 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 the strangeness of 2020 and and just the whole the campaigns under Frank DeBoer and how they went. So getting back to what was under Tata Martino, we assume will go a specific way. Right. But at the same time, it's just a massive assumption. I think it's a good prediction. I'm not saying it's a bad one. I'm not saying it's going to be anything different. I'm making the same prediction myself, but considering what Atlanta United the players have gone through going back to what Tata, more of a Tata Martino like system. Um, I, we have not seen that yet. Yeah, so and I, and I, my, my hope is that it, it, it's, a, it's a smooth transition. I, I expect it to be a smooth transition, but at the same time um, we'll see. And, and we hope for the best. And I, and I, and I think, I mean, you look at on paper, and this is just on paper, but on paper it, it, it should look like 2021 is going to be a, obviously a much better year than 2020, but um, you're hoping that it's, it's more of a, uh, you look at it and you're thinking, okay, well, it's going to be a resurgence of 2017, 2018. And, and you're hoping for positive things to come out of that in terms of trophies, in terms of wins, in terms of, um, you know, just, just bring it back to us Martinez, you know, the, the players that, that presumably uh, Gabriel Heinze and, and company are, are looking at, so it's all I'm saying is that while it looks good on paper, 
it is still a prediction. It is still an assumption that things will pan out the way they that we think they will. I, I, I'm just I'm cautiously optimistic, per usual, that uh, everything will get back to normal. And and I really do think it'll get back to the 2017, 2018 ways of ways of soccer life for Atlanta United. But at the same time, this is also a new a new thing for Atlanta United, going yeah. back to what they were at one point. And and um, the other um, thing that the, didn't do well. The other thing is, I mean, I think while the tactics and system are similar to Tata Martino, and someone can correct me uh, on this if I'm wrong, because I really don't know much of anything about Heinz as a manager. Uh, but from what I've read and what I've seen of him, tactic system similar to Tata Martino, but personality very different. He strikes sure. me as a, a little bit, a little bit more demanding, a little bit more of a hardened. Uh, personality than Tata Martino, who was more, more fiery for sure. Yeah, Tata Martino, who you know doesn't El Tata mean like like grandfather. Yeah, Tata, yeah, 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 like sort of, of you know. So he was that was his you know he was kind of, that was his aesthetic. Whereas Heinz is more of a young, fiery uh, uh, manager. Passionate, so, yeah, <laughs> passionate. Right. I love throwing these vague adjectives around um, to show we to show we don't really know anything. Uh, but, uh, but 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 to me. The other thing uh, that Eric, you mentioned, that we don't know for sure the transition will go right back to where it was in 2017-18. A big part of that is, yes, Heinze is, you know, an BLC stun, all of these things that are similar. But personality-wise, man management-wise, something Tata Martino was very, very good at. I, I want to believe Heinze is good because of the success he's had, but I think I've, I think we know for sure that he does that differently. So it's not like the players – um, and then most of them weren't here at, at, during Martino's era anyway, but it's not like uh, it's going to go straight back to the 100% the culture under Tata Martino. I think the tactics, the tactics and system will be similar. The culture will be similar, but certainly you're dealing with a manager whose personality is very, very different from Tata. Man, how thankful, thankful we were for the days of uh, Tata Martino. Let's uh, be thankful for Lucid FC, a sponsor of the Miles of South podcast um lucid fc a distinctively modern clothing line based right here in atlanta reflects a deeply british american heritage design approach uh to clothing promotes freedom of fashion gender and role the brand's iconic logo immediately recognizable jack harlow if you've heard his uh one of his songs i think it's like big on tiktok or i don't even know i know it's on uh, call of duty so he's very popular to jock jack Harlow. i had never heard of him until i started playing until like the thing i heard saw him on tiktok or whatever really you've never heard of him I, look, I'm not big into the music Even scene. Even I've heard of him. I'm not big into the music scene. That's all I'm saying. But uh, he, he proudly supports a Lucid FC brand on uh, in some of his videos. Uh, big makers of pants, outerwear, hats, shirts, hoodies. The big thing there that's obviously going right now is the, the masks with the Lucid FC logo. Gentlemen, what does the FC and Lucid FC stand for? He did it wrong again. Damn, you think whatever. I know this by now. It's footwear and clothing. Footwear and Are you going to answer your own question? I am. LucidFC.us. Check them out. LucidFC.us. Eric, you know, we're supposed to ask you that question, right? (laughs) Well, you know what? You've gotten this wrong. This is just fall. 2020 has been a weird year. Can we do a mashup of how this is? It's time for weird sponsor reads, okay? Great sponsor, weird read though. I guess. There you go. Yeah, yeah big shout uh, out to Lucid FC though. Yeah, uh, we love my, my girlfriend loves the socks. Yeah. There you go. Any final parting thoughts before we uh, take off, gentlemen? 
I'm no. just happy the 2020 is over, man. Yeah, like, like, in terms over. of Atlanta United, we can, 2020. We can close the book yes. on 2020 yeah. after last night. After Joseph Atlanta is 20. coming back. We've got a manager. <laughs> the vaccine is coming. 2021 is going to be much, much better. You can follow You know how Twitter. fired up Joseph Martinez is going to be, too? That dude missed an entire season, basically. You, you know just the personality, the type of player he is. That dude's going to hit the ground running, and MLS defenses look out. Yeah, you see him over there boxing, and I'm sitting there like, man, he's, he's going to be a fighter in 2021. He's going to be yeah. more of a fighter than he was in, tw- in 2019. Yeah. So we'll see how that pans out. All right, tell them where they can find you, gentlemen. You can find me at JoshB914 on the Twitters. At Sam J. Franco here. You can find me at Eric G. Quintana. You can find the podcast at MOTS Podcast. Happy holidays, everybody. We love Happy you. Happy holidays. Thank right. you for getting uh, we've been through a little, this tough year with us. We've been a little off on the on the podcast, but we're going back to a regular schedule to where we're uh, putting things out weekly just because of life gets in the way, people. Life gets right, in the way. Right, but we're back. We're back. All right. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta. See you.